This is Caps Talk on Caps Radio 24 7. Only sports talk show in Washington dedicated to talking Washington Capitals hockey. Hear from the players, the coaches, local and national media personalities. And call us with your questions and comments toll free at 1-855-GO-CAPS-5. Caps Radio 24-7. Here's your host of Caps Talk, Ben Raby. All right, here we go. Welcome into another edition of Caps Talk, a Wednesday afternoon edition of the show and a game day edition of the show as we count down to puck drop, getting you set for the Capitals and the Philadelphia Flyers, the first game out of the All-Star break for both teams. And it is the third of four meetings this season between the Capitals and the Flyers. The Caps still seeking their first win of the year against Philadelphia. Capitals entering play tonight 0-1-1 this season against the Philadelphia Flyers. And you don't have to go back too far the last time these two teams got together. Back a couple of Sundays ago, January 21st, if you prefer, Philadelphia came into Capital One Arena and left town with a 2-1 overtime win. Travis Konechny with the game-winning goal in three-on-three OT. Since that game on January 21st, the Capitals have played only once, and that was last Thursday night, the 25th in Florida, a 4-2 Capitals win. As they snapped a three-game winless skid, they headed into the All-Star break feeling good about themselves. It was a milestone night for Alex Ovechkin, as you may recall. He had a goal and an assist, picked up his 500th career NHL assist in the process. Also, his league-leading 30th goal of the campaign. So the Capitals went into the All-Star break, sole possession of first place in the Metropolitan Division, and they enter play tonight. The Capitals do four points clear of the second-place Pittsburgh Penguins. Penguins coming up winners last night against the San Jose Sharks as a good chunk of the league actually returned from the All-Star break last night. There were 12 games in all last night, 24 teams taking part. And uh, quite a few teams in the Metropolitan Division actually picking up points, including the Pittsburgh Penguins with a win over San Jose. New Jersey Devils did what a lot of teams do. They took care of business against the Buffalo Sabres. Columbus Blue Jackets picked up one point in the standings last night. They fell in a shootout to the Minnesota Wild. The Islanders, meanwhile, they fell in regulation at home to the Florida Panthers. And the Carolina Hurricanes, granted they're in last place in the Metropolitan Division, but they did pick up two points with a win over Ottawa and the Hurricanes remaining in the playoff hunt. They enter play tonight. The Hurricanes do just two points back of Philadelphia for the second wild card spot. So not unlike what we saw before the All-Star break, the standings right now in the Metropolitan Division uh, very much congested, not a whole lot of breathing room for the Capitals in top spot. Again, just four points clear of the Pittsburgh Penguins entering play tonight. Now, among the storylines for the Capitals moving forward here, you look back at the month of January, there were a lot of lulls in the schedule, a lot of breaks. You had the Christmas break in late December, you had the annual bye week for the Capitals in mid-January. Now most recently you had the All-Star break, you had it all up. Capitals actually just went through a stretch where they had only four games in 18 days. Well, now you're going to have the other extreme. Starting tonight against Philadelphia, 15 games in the next 28 nights for the Capitals. So a little bit more than one every other night is what it comes down to. 
And uh, we'll learn a lot about the Capitals over this next little stretch. It coincides at the end of February with the trade deadline. And we'll see what type of position the Capitals are in at the end of the month of February because they have a, a tough schedule ahead, not only in volume, not only in terms of the number of games, but just you look at the opponents. Philadelphia tonight. Pittsburgh Penguins on the road this Friday. The Vegas Golden Knights, the Western Conference leading Vegas Golden Knights coming to town on Super Bowl Sunday. And then looking a little further ahead next week, the Capitals with back-to-back -back games against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And then later on this month, a four-game road trip. Because where else would you rather be in mid-February than Winnipeg, Minnesota? You also have Chicago and Buffalo in there. Four straight on the road. Again, playing every other night in Winnipeg, Minnesota, Chicago, and Buffalo. You also have the Tampa Bay Lightning in the month of February. Columbus on the road at the end of the month. Why not for the third time this month? The Capitals and Blue Jackets will get together. So you add it all up. Point being, there's not too many games against some of the lightweights, if you will, coming up. You can throw Buffalo in there, certainly. But point being, a challenging month up ahead. And again, a whole lot of action for the Capitals just in terms of the volume of games they have upcoming. And it all starts tonight against the Philadelphia Flyers. As far as the Capitals lineup tonight, I will tell you first off that back from the All-Star Game festivities this past weekend, Braden Holpe will get the start once again for the Capitals tonight. He will be opposed by his former teammate in Michael Neuvert for the Philadelphia Flyers. And as far as the Capitals skaters tonight up front, worth noting Jacob Verana in a 16-game goalless drought. He will sit this one out as a healthy scratch tonight. So Jacob Verana for the first time since mid-November will sit out as a healthy scratch as uh, Barry Trotz looked to send a little bit of a message to the Capitals rookie who has clearly hit a little bit of a wall of late. And the Capitals uh, looking for more out of Jacob Verana down the stretch, and you could say that about a few other guys. The Capitals are looking for more consistency out of as far as offensive productivity. I can tell you Andre Burakovsky enters play tonight. No goals in his last nine. Just three tallies overall for the season. TJ Oshie, only one goal in his last 22 games. And Evgeny Kuznetsov enters play this evening, one goal in his last 14. So certainly a number of key cogs that right there as far as the Capitals lineup is concerned who are looking to get back on track, looking to find the back of the net with some more consistency. And all that being said, you could look at it optimistically. You could say the Capitals are in first place, four points clear at Pittsburgh, despite the fact there are quite a few players on the roster. If you look at the Capitals, you can say their best hockey is probably still ahead of them. So, uh, again, we'll learn a whole lot about the team over the next month and just looking ahead at the regular season as a whole. The remainder of the itinerary, 33 games in 67 nights before uh, the 82-game campaign comes to an end. So, again, it all starts tonight against the Philadelphia Flyers and for a look back at the All-Star Weekend in Tampa Bay, head coach Barry Trotz was a part of it. And a look ahead at tonight's game against the Flyers. We check in with the head coach's pregame chat earlier today at Kettler with John Walton. Well, Barry, coming out of the All-Star break and break time over after a January where only 10 games will be played, 15 games in 28 nights starting here against Philadelphia. And for this team over the last four years, that's where this team seems to eat, playing every other day, a lot of games in a little, getting back into rhythm. Now a chance to do that as Philadelphia comes in tonight. Yeah, I think it's, it's real important for us uh, 
uh, you know, get get a little bit of rhythm. We've had, uh, I think we've done a okay job uh, getting through some of these breaks. We've been able to get some points, uh, maybe not playing our best uh, in terms of some of the execution. And all that. That's what happens when you don't get a lot of uh, – uh, time uh, with uh, when you get too much rest, uh, but it's good. I, anybody, I think we're healthy. We're going into a stretch here where we're playing every second night uh, pretty well from now to the end of the year. So um, that, if you look historically, we've been a really good team when we, we get a lot of rhythm. And this stretch is it comes out of the break for the next five in division. The Flyers once, the Penguins, a couple with the Blue Jackets, and mix in a game with Vegas coming in here on Sunday. A tough stretch to be sure, but a chance that if you put the right foot forward in pretty good shape in five games and right now in first place a chance to hold on to that and maybe even grow on it yeah absolutely every game's uh, so critical and and you look just look at the uh, the metro division uh it's it's jammed up there you know you lose two or three games and everybody's right in your your back pocket so we just got to take care of our own business uh starting tonight and and let's get in playoff mode and the flyers a team that you've seen twice one just 10 days ago and now uh, not going to have another chance to play them in your building, a chance to put a win on the board. This is a team you very well could see in the postseason. They're playing some great hockey right now. Yeah, they really are. Uh, you know, they've they've been a team that uh, all year I thought uh, they should be playoff bound. They had a real rough stretch where they went 10 games without a, a regulation win, but they were getting points and in shootouts and overtimes and that. So uh, I just think that they've got really good balance there. They've got their three, maybe even four lines deep. Um, their defense, they've got some dynamic people on the back end, uh, Provolov and, and the Ghosts back there. They're fantastic. I mean, they're dangerous. They're involved offensively. Uh, they make you really work uh, defensively. They work, make you work offensively as well because they do a real good job in terms of uh, having pretty good structure and, and, and really have a, uh, a good five-man game going right now. So. Uh, and then they've got they've had good goaltending, which is in the past has been a little bit of an Achilles heel. Both goaltenders have been pretty good for them this year. The forwards for your team have been very good, and as a unit from one to twelve, Jacob Vrana going to sit tonight. Is there anything that is similar to when he sat in November in Denver, where it was okay, things have slipped a little bit, and it's time to reset, maybe watch a game and get him back in there pretty quickly to try and take advantage of? Hey, no jerseys ever guaranteed on this team. Yeah, one hundred percent. Jacob hasn't scored since uh, I think it was December fourteenth. He's got one point. He he hasn't been having any impact on the game in a, in the last eight, ten games. So uh, you, you want young guys to fight through that a little bit. And uh, we've had uh, other guys who've, who've sat, who've jumped in, and they've elevated their game. So, you know, nothing catches a young guy's attention or anybody's attention when you take that opportunity for them to be in a lineup. And sometimes uh, what happens with some of the young guys, they expect that they should be in the lineup cause, just because they're young. Uh, I don't really believe in that. I, I think that you have to earn it. It's, it's an earned right. It's not a given right to be in the lineup. And his game has slipped a little bit. So he's just got to f- come back like he did last time and, and, and fight back for his ice time. And uh, I think he will. Uh, you saw that with Brett Conley. You saw that with uh, Chase on. You're going to see it with Smith Pelly tonight, I'm sure. All those guys are not going to let make it easy for uh, the next guy up to get in. And uh, that's what you want to create. You want to create uh, an inner competition between the, your forwards so that they can uh, push each other to, to play well every night. Well, Barry, always appreciate the insight. Good luck tonight as the Caps get back started here against the Flyers. Thank you. All right, good stuff there from Capitals head coach Barry Trotz chatting earlier today 
at Kettler with John. And again, kudos to Barry Trotz, second time in three years representing the Capitals at the All-Star Game weekend this year, played down in Tampa Bay along with Alex Ovechkin and Braden Holpe. We're going to hear from Braden Holpe coming up a little bit later on in the show. I had a chance to catch up with Braden earlier today in the dressing room at Kettler. We'll also hear from Nick Backstrom chatting one-on-one -on -one earlier today with Mike Vogel, a whole lot of NBC Sports Washington representation on the show. A little bit later on, we'll be chatting with Alan May. Looking back at the good old days in the Caps-Flyers rivalry, Alan May chuckles a little bit when he looks at the box score and sees maybe, I don't know, six penalty minutes on one side, four penalty minutes on the other. Alan May recalling the days where the Flyers and Capitals would combine for hundreds, literally hundreds of penalty minutes per contest. The rivalry and... What it was back in the late 80s, some playoff battles and into the early 1990s, two teams which didn't much care for each other in the Capitals and Flyers. Some great stories and memories from Alan May coming up a little bit later on in the show, we'll say in hour number two of the program. Also coming up, we'll be chatting with Tarek El-Bashir. He was part of the All-Star Game festivities in Tampa Bay. We'll hear from him on what he took part in in the weekend down in Tampa. And also looking back on a memorable game, 10 years ago today, January 31st, 2008. We'll put it this way. Tonight for Alex Ovechkin, his 971st career NHL game, as he very quietly is approaching 1,000 for his NHL career. But tonight, Alex Ovechkin, game number 971. I'll make the case that 10 years ago tonight was the best game of the previous 970 that he's played. It was vintage Alex Ovechkin. It was his third year in the league. Capitals were playing the Montreal Canadiens that night here at what was then known as Verizon Center. And Alex Ovechkin went off in a 5-4 overtime win over Montreal. Ovechkin had four goals and an assist. So he accounted for all five Washington goals. He scored in all four periods. He has four periods. He scored in the first, second, third, and in overtime. Had the eventual game winner in OT. And he was just a, a physical presence in the game. And he was like a human piata, piñata. He was skating into harm's way all, all night long because that's what Alex Ovechkin did back in the day. And on his very first shift, in fact, he took a high stick, required stitches. Later on in the game in the second period, he collided with Canadians defenseman Francis Bouillon, required uh, more work done as he broke his nose on the play. And he didn't miss a shift. He ended up playing just under 25 minutes. And again, he comes away with the four goals, including the game winner. And in a year where he went on to win the MVP award, the Hart Trophy, for the first time in his NHL career, it was really, if you're looking at that season for sort of a signature moment, that was it. January 31st, 2008, and that win over the Montreal Canadiens. We're going to look back at that game, and we're going to chat about it with Tarek Elbashir, who was covering that game for the Washington Post. And uh, we're going to hear uh, some highlights from that game, a whole lot of fun regarding, again, what I'll make the case was the best game in Alex Ovechkin's very impressive NHL career. So we'll do that a little bit later on. Also, we'll uh, bring it back to the present. We'll look at the second half of the regular season upcoming. We'll do that with Rob Carlin from NBC Sports Washington. In fact, we'll do that just a few minutes from now. We are also going to hear from Tom Wilson and from John Carlson. And I can say this now because he's not in the room and he has TV commitments right now. But John Walton, we have a little surprise in store for him as well. This just in. It's his last game tonight before he heads off to South Korea as part of NBC's coverage of the Winter Olympics. So we'll miss John for 12 games that he'll be missing in February. But that being said, before he goes, we have uh, a little surprise in store for John coming up 
a little bit later on in the show. So all that being said, a whole lot to get to. We will get to it all, starting with Rob Carlin when this busy game day edition of Caps Talk continues in a moment. We're coming to you from the broadcast booth at Capital One Arena, counting down to the Capitals and Flyers on Caps Radio 24-7 and the Caps mobile app. For fans inside the Beltway or anywhere on earth where the red is rock. Rock the red! This is Caps Talk on your radio home of the Washington Capitals. Caps Radio. Thanks again. Kuznets on in front, they score! The puck for Backstrom, a backdoor play. It didn't work the first time. It does the second. A power play goal for Backstrom. And we're tied at one. We should also note on the Backstrom goal, Alex Ovechkin getting his 500th assist. He is just the second Washington player to ever reach 500 helpers, and he's kind of known for the other thing. So that's a pretty good career right there in getting to 500 helpers and 587 goals up to the minute. Yeah, it's uh, obviously a huge milestone. Obviously, uh, it's nice to be in that company. Um, but, you know, uh, still have uh, lots of juice in my career and uh, still lots of games. Alex Ovechkin does get credit for that secondary assist and career assist number 500 in the process. Yeah, way to go, Alex Ovechkin. Another milestone for the great captain here in Washington. He's a legendary player. I mean, he's uh, he's getting the points, the goals, the assists. I mean, he, you know, everybody thinks he's, uh, of Alex as a, as a, you know, a pure goal scorer, which he is. Uh, um, but you always tend to forget that he, you know, he's a pretty good playmaker as well. So uh, getting 500 assists and, and there's not too many guys in, the, in this league that have as many goals and as many assists. And, and he's still got a lot of years left. So those numbers are just going to continue to grow. All right, good stuff there. Some of the post-game audio from last Thursday down in Florida. As yes, it was another milestone night for Alex Ovechkin, picking up his 500th career NHL assist, joins Nicholas Backstrom as the only Capitals to record 500 helpers in franchise history. And Ovechkin also joining only three other active players in the NHL with 500 goals and 500 assists. And I use the term active loosely. By the NHL definition, there there are three other active players with 500 goals, 500 assists. Patrick Marlowe of the Toronto Maple Leafs is one of them. And good for him, Patrick Marlowe, having a good first year in Toronto after all those seasons playing with the San Jose Sharks. Then there's two other quote-unquote active players with 500 goals, 500 assists. Uh, Marion Hossa, who is under contract with the Chicago Blackhawks but isn't in the NHL this year. He's dealing with a skin condition and uh, is taking the whole year off. Very possible that Marion Hosa has played his last NHL game, but because he's under contract, he's on the payroll for the Blackhawks, technically he's considered active. Could come back at any time, so he is active by definition. And the other one on the list is Yarmir Yager, who uh, you may have heard over the weekend was placed on waivers by the Calgary Flames. That was on Sunday. Then on Monday he cleared waivers, and on Tuesday he was back home in the Czech Republic suiting up for a team there that he owns. So point being, an active NHLer because, again, he's still on the Calgary Flames payroll, but we've likely seen the last of Yarmir Yager in the NHL. Point being, Alex Ovechkin, one of the few players, we'll say, one of the few active players 
with 500 goals and 500 assists. So kudos to him as he uh, crosses off another milestone on his career resume. And, yes, Yarmir Yager, uh, if it is, in fact, the end of his NHL career, uh, quite the run he enjoyed, the 1990 fifth overall pick, a two-time Stanley Cup champion with the Penguins in 91 and 92, over 700 career goals, more than 1,800 points. Only Wayne Gretzky, more points in NHL history than Yarmir Yager. So kudos to him on an impressive career, which, of course, did include a three-year tenure here with the Capitals. All right, we'll bring it back to the present now. I had the chance yesterday at Kettler to chat with Rob Carlin from NBC Sports Washington looking at the first-place Capitals and what to keep an eye on, the storylines, if you will, for the second half, the stretch run of the regular season. We touched on Alex Ovechkin and a number of players who have to start to find the back of the net with some more consistency. My conversation yesterday at Kettler with Rob Carlin. All right, Rob, after the Capitals had just four games in 18 days, now the gauntlet getting thrown at them 15 over the next 28. I'll lead you off with this, Rob. When you look at the next month, the trade deadline at the end of February, you're going to learn a lot about this team over the next stretch. A lot of games, tough opponents, Pittsburgh, Vegas, Columbus twice. When you look at the next stretch, what are some of the bullet points that you're in particular keeping an eye on here? Well, I mean, I think this is just going to be fun because the Caps, and, you know, we keep saying the Caps aren't good after these long breaks. I would bet if you go around the league, most teams aren't good after a lot of breaks. They're professional athletes. They like the repetition that, you know, that they get into these habits. But, I mean, this is what these guys are in it for. So it's a tough stretch, but it's coming off of they should be rested. Their bodies should be healthy, as healthy as you could be after such a light load in January. And I, and I look for them to pick back up that pace because I do think that they'll get back into their routines that they're more comfortable with. And um, look, they've built up a little bit of breathing room. It's not much. A they, little bit more than we all anticipated. Way more. <laughs> I, I didn't anticipate any breathing room. So I anticipated them fighting and scratching and clawing to stay alive. So they have a little bit of wiggle room. Um, but you know, it's going to be an absolute white knuckle ride, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. like I'm I'm excited for this stretch because it's been such a light load for so long now. I agree with you. I am pleasantly surprised, shocked that they are where they are in the standings, especially when you consider not only do they have a six-point lead in the division, we have Andre Burakovsky. Granted, he fought the injury bug, but three goals in what are we now? 49 games into the year. T.J. Oshie has one in his last 22. Verona none in his last 16. They are where they are. And yet you would like to think the best is still to come for a number of key cogs on this team. And Nicholas Backstrom. I mean, he's, you know, statistically having one of the least productive years of his career at this point. So, yeah, you'd hope that a mm -hmm. one, two, maybe all three of the Burakovsky, Oshie, Backstrom guys get going that maybe there's another level to get to. They've been lucky because Conley's having another great year, and DSP's been a big contributor, and Chason's been a contributor, and all the gambles that um, that the staff took this offseason, whether it was guys who weren't working out or guys who had no expectations somewhere else, they're all paid off so far here. So yeah, I think they've gotten contributions up and down the lineup that you'd hope now if Backstrom can get on a little run and Oshi, I mean, and the thing about Oshi was it was the injury. I mean, he was having a good year early on, on pace for another 30-goal season, and then, you know, the, the concussion came, and he hasn't quite been the same. So you hope that those guys get going there, and the other players, the role players, keep playing the way they were, that maybe there's another, another level to get to, but 
you know, I, I like what they've done so far, and I, they just can, to keep building on what they've been doing. You can throw Kuznetsov in that conversation as well. Another guy looking to see return to form in the second half of the season. All right, so they are in first place. A lot of bullet points to explain why they are where they are, one of which, of course, is Alex Ovechkin. And again, I say I'm pleasantly surprised that the Capitals are where they are in the standings. I'm shocked he's doing what he's doing. And what I mean by that is last year he had 33 goals. I figured, okay, that's the new normal, right? Like 25 to 35. And man, oh man, a league high 30 goals on pace for another 50 goal campaign. And it's how he's scoring them, right? Even strength, using the wheels through the neutral zone. Just the eye test. It's like Ovechkin of six, seven years ago we're watching this season. And I don't know why we're surprised. I mean, they, they took his minutes away last year. That was a that was what they wanted to do. They wanted to keep him fresh for the playoffs. And then we're all shocked that his numbers went down. I mean, he wasn't playing as much as we've grown accustomed to him playing. Now, the five-on-five five play is certainly better this year. Using the wheels is different. He seems to be in better shape. So there are those things. And, yes, a guy at this age shouldn't be staring at a 50 That's, why, that's why we're surprised. Right. Come on. He's played more than 900 games. Right. He's 32 eventually this is going to happen, right? Maybe it's next year, maybe it's in three years. Eventually this has to happen, right? I don't know, I guess. I mean, that's what it would seem like, but he's not exactly the norm. So, you know, and, and every time someone doubts him, every time, you know, a Dale Hunter takes the minutes away and makes him play, you know, more responsible on defense, and you're going to see him better, be a better two-way player, and all the knocks you've heard against him, he comes back and gets 50 again, and he does it two years in a row or three years in a row. So until, until there's proof that his body can't do it anymore, I'm always going to bet on eight. So, you know, and, and it, it is such a pleasure watching him, and we take it for granted, I think. And, yep, if you want to be in the crowd that says until he wins a Stanley Cup, his career will never be validated, there's the Dan Marino section. Sure, okay, it's valid. But I think we're very lucky to be a part of telling the story of the greatest goal scorer of our generation. And I'm just going to enjoy it for whatever it's worth and for as long as it can go. I agree with you. And here's what I tell folks. And, and by the way, listen to your conversations on Capitals Extra on the podcast, on the iPhone, of course. And you guys have been talking a lot about what he's doing and, and the season he's had. Last week, right, January 25th in Florida, gets his 500th assist and his 30th goal. So I put it on Twitter, you know, nice accomplishments, and inevitably you get that person who, oh, when's he going to win the Stanley Cup? They don't award the Stanley Cup on January 25th. It doesn't work like that. So just enjoy it, and I know that's the message you've gotten across to on the Capitals Extra podcast. Enjoy it, appreciate it, because there's going to be a time where you don't see it, and uh, you're going to think back to these days and, and how fortunate we were. I mean, he changed the whole franchise, right? I mean, this franchise isn't this franchise without OV being OV. And generally, whenever you look back at those trolls who do that, it's a Pittsburgh fan. You know, like, you know, like, I'm going to click on this, and this dude's going to be from Pittsburgh, and I get it. That's what's fun about sports. The trash talk, the back and forth, I get it. They have every right. Their team has won cups. This team hasn't yet. And it's like I told you earlier when the, uh, you know, what I wish for him is a parade to validate the career because, you know, it's hard. Not everyone wins Stanley Cups. Not every franchise does. But we should enjoy what we're seeing here because what we're seeing is one of the all-time greats and like i said by far the best of our generation so and and we're lucky enough to tell those stories on a nightly basis and i and i love it i i have every time he scores a goal i smile so i'm like this dude is incredible and it, it's it's fun to, it's fun to be a part of it
All right, final thing, we'll let you give it a plug. Full disclosure, we were recording this a couple of hours before you and Tarek sit down with Lars Zeller, the old Tiger, enjoying an outstanding year. Talk about those secondary contributors. He's chief among them. It'll be on the Capitals Extra podcast. Well, what are you looking forward to hearing from Lars, and, and where can folks find it as well? Well, yeah, we'll do a special Capitals Extra, which is usually after every game. But because we've had the All-Star break, we'll get uh, a special one in here. And it was funny. We were going through who should we talk to, you know, what grizzled veteran who's a good talker. And we kind of went through, you know, Brooks Orpik and Matt Niskanen and Jay Beagle and all those guys who are going to be working with uh, kids groups out here after practice. And I was like, what about Lars Eller? And Tark was like, yeah, Lars Eller. I mean, he's been, clearly you guys have had fun with him with this Tiger thing is hilarious. Yeah. He embraces it. Yeah, no, I, I fully, I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, so we'll have a little bit of fun with him and uh, get his take on obviously the second half. Uh, I want to ask him about what it was like to put on that Canadiens jersey. Because even players that go to Montreal to play are always amazed at just getting on the ice. I would love to find out what it was like to put on that sweater and go skate for the home fans. And then, you know, his dad's a coach. Mm -hmm. What's it like growing up where your dad's one of the great coaches in the world? So, um, yeah, we'll find out all that stuff, and that'll be on the Caps Extra podcast, which you can find wherever you get your podcast. At some point, either today or tomorrow, that'll be released. And NBCSportsWashington.com. You click the Capitals tab, you scroll down. It's always there. Capitals Extra podcast host Rob Carlin. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, it was fun. All right, there he is, Rob Carlin from NBC Sports Washington, chatting with him yesterday at practice at the Kettler Capitals Iceplex, looking back on the impressive first 49 games of the season for Alex Ovechkin, and yeah, talking a little Tiger, a little Lars Eller there as well. And again, uh, Rob and Tark Elbashir sitting down yesterday with Lars Eller, that podcast available, the Capitals Extra podcast via NBC Sports Washington. All right, we will take a timeout. When we come back, we're going to head back inside the Capitals dressing room, chatting one-on-one -on -one earlier today with Braden Holpe. We'll also hear from Mike Vogel, his chat earlier today with Nick Backstrom and talking also about the durability of Alex Ovechkin. Tonight is 971st career game, the 1,000th game for the franchise since they took Ovechkin first overall. In other words, uh, he's had a high attendance rate since the Capitals made him the number one pick back in 2004. We'll discuss that a little bit later on. And Tarek El-Bashir of NBC Sports Washington set to join us as well as a busy game day edition of Caps Talk. Continues in a moment. Caps Radio 24-7 and the Caps mobile app. Your afternoon commute just got a whole lot better. This is Caps Talk on Caps Radio 24-7. Talking Capitals with you while you drop your gloves in traffic. And now for Kuznetsov in front, they score! The puck for Backstrom, a backdoor play. It didn't work the first time. It does the second. A power play goal for Backstrom. And we're tied at one. And Nicholas Backstrom opening the Capitals scoring account last Thursday night in Florida and an eventual 4-2 Capitals win over the Panthers as the Capitals headed into the All-Star break on a winning note. And for Nick Backstrom, that was career goal number 198 as he passes Alexander Semen into sole possession of fifth most 
in franchise history, and now Backstrom just too shy of becoming the fifth capital in team history to hit the 200-goal plateau. When he does that, he will join Alex Ovechkin, Peter Bondra, Mike Gartner, and Mike Ridley as the only players in franchise history to hit 200 career goals. And earlier today at the Keller Capitals Iceplex, following practice, Nick Backstrom chatting one-on-one -on -one in the dressing room with Mike Vogel. Uh, second consecutive home game against the Flyers. What do you feel like you guys picked up uh, in that afternoon game a couple weeks ago against them? thought you guys played pretty well, probably well enough to win that game. Yeah, we did. But at the same time, I mean, uh, should know Phil is a great team and, and uh, they're actually playing great hockey right now. So uh, we really have to bring our A game tonight to make sure we get some points out of it. I mean, I think... Uh, they, I think they beat us twice this year, so uh, really wanted some some revenge tonight. So uh, it'll be a good test right after break too to, to get going against Philly. I mean, it's usually emotional games against them, so uh, it'll be fun. Yeah, even when they were in last place, like in in December, they were leading the league in fewest five-on-five -five goals against, which I thought was kind of stunning then. And they're they're right near the top in that regard now. And I think the only guys, the only goal you guys scored in that game was on the power play. What do you think that the key is to generating a little bit of five-on-five -five offense against them? Yeah, well, honestly, I think we have to shoot shoot the puck a little bit more and maybe get some traffic because look, their goalie last game saw saw the pucks too much, so maybe some traffic and and make sure we're. Make sure we're disciplined around the, the, the blue lines too. I think we chip it in, chip it out. So and we're gonna create some more chance from that. And uh, and and also they have a good, also they have a good power play. So we gotta stay out of the box too. I feel like so uh, if we can if we can do those things and put some pressure on their D, I think we'll be fine. You guys had a terrific month of December. Um, move yourselves into the top spot in the Metropolitan Division. And I think you guys would say that you haven't played as good as you can play in January, but you've gone 5-2-2, two, and two, and you've actually, I mean, I think you're one point ahead of, of the second-place team at the start of January, and you're four points up now. So despite maybe not playing as well as you would have wanted and not having very many games, you've actually increased your lead a little bit. Now, obviously, February starts tomorrow, and you guys starting tonight, 33 games in 67 days. Um, I feel like that's more to you guys' rhythm. You, I don't think you guys, we've talked a lot about the gaps in the schedule. We don't have to worry about those anymore. Are you guys as a group looking forward to getting in this every other night routine again? Yeah, it'll be great, I think. And, and as you said, too, if you look at the last couple of years, we, we've been playing better when we play every other, every other day. So um, hopefully we can keep doing that this year. And, and But I mean, I feel like when you're playing this many games, I mean, you don't really think about it you just go out and do it and 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 the system is there i mean you're not rusty or anything like you would have been after the break so uh, hopefully we can just keep going here have a little push to make sure we put ourselves in a good spot here for the for the future great the break was obviously good too and, and for guys like yourself with young families i'm imagining it be it be able to get some time with them, maybe leave uh, the area, go someplace warm for a few days and just relax and, and maybe give yourself a little mental vacation from the game. Do you feel like you were able to achieve that? Yeah, absolutely. We went down to, I don't went down to Miami for a couple of days and uh, it was actually nice. And it's just, it's not just for the, the family thing. I think it's good for our, our bodies too, to heal up a little bit before you get back to work here. And as you said, we have a tough stretch coming up. so. We got to make sure we do everything we can to 
put ourselves in a great spot. Last thing before we let you go, we learned this morning that tonight is actually the 1,000th game of the Alex Ovechkin era here in, in Washington, which 1,000th regular season game, which uh, seems kind of stunning. And, and maybe the most stunning thing is that he's actually played in, I guess, tonight 971 of, of those 1,000 games. For, for a guy who plays, you know, he puts his body on the line pretty much every night, it, it's kind of remarkable that he's only missed about 2% of the games that, that he was uh, – uh, that that he could have played in. Yeah, absolutely. It's impressive. And I mean, he, um, I remember one time a couple of years ago, he, he said something about the Russian machine never breaks, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, it's something to it, I think. So uh, no, but I mean, it's impressive and, and uh, that he has played this many games and hasn't been hurt or anything. So uh, good for him. And there they were, some of the pregame thoughts. Nick Backstrom chatting one on one with Mike Vogel inside the Capitals dressing room and Backstrom uh, again centering that second line tonight alongside Andre Burakovsky and TJ Oshie. Burakovsky looking to snap a nine-game goalless drought tonight against Philadelphia. TJ Oshie, meanwhile, just one tally in his last 22 games overall. We reference Braden Holpe getting the start tonight in goal, fresh off his appearance in the All-Star game over the weekend in Tampa Bay and earlier today at Kettler. Had a chance to catch up with Holpe looking back on the All-Star weekend and looking ahead to the busy stretch upcoming as the Capitals play 15 games in the next 28 nights. It was good. I think it was well put on by, uh, by Tampa. and um, You know, it was uh, a fun experience. Obviously, I think uh, I got a little more rest this time. It was nice to have that travel. Um, uh, you know, after the game in Florida, uh, have a day of, of actual rest instead of the chaos that the that the All-Star game is, um, and I mean, it was, uh, it was a fun time. What's the most enjoyable part of the experience? Um, I don't know, I mean, uh, you know, getting to see uh, some of the guys that you've uh, you know, got to know over the years, I guess, is, is always uh, you know, fun just to uh, catch up a bit, but um, I don't know, this year our training staff was there, so that was uh, um, you know, fun to have them around, and they uh, can experience all the um, festivities and stuff, and um, you know, it was, uh, I don't know, I mean, it was, uh, I didn't do too much, went to the All-Star game, just relaxed with my, my family. All right, so you put the All-Star break behind you, the bye week, the Christmas break, now it's, the real work gets started now, 15 games in the next 28 nights. Uh, when you look at the schedule upcoming, I mean, also Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, two games against Columbus, Vegas, I mean, some, some tough sledding up ahead when, when you look at the upcoming stretch, uh, what sticks out to you? Uh, just the opportunity to get back in a rhythm. I think this last month has been, uh, you know, really ever since the back-to-back -back before Christmas break, it's been uh, very erratic and very strange. And uh, uh, I think we're just looking forward to getting some rhythm in our game that we can, you know, play, analyze, play again, analyze, and, and kind of uh, that's when you have the opportunity to, to improve as a team and as an individual. So it's, uh, it's exciting. Got Wayne Simmons tonight, Patrick Hornquist on Friday with Pittsburgh. You tell me where they rank as far as the pests that they potentially could be. They're doing their jobs, but they park themselves atop your crease and, and the challenge that they each pose. Yeah, I mean, they're both, uh, obviously, that's their, their game. I think uh, I think Simmons is one of the best in the league um, at that. I think he's uh, 
he's smart. He's fun to play against that way because he's not he's not a uh, he's not cheap in front of the net. He he works hard and he he's quick and he's thinking uh, um, about how to screen guys, how to get open. He's not uh, poking at your feet or anything um, like that. He's, he's an honest player in that that area. So it's fun. It's a good challenge. It's it's a good competition. I think. Uh, uh, on the other hand, with Hornquist, I think he's more of the guy that's. Um, not really thinking too much about that. He's, he's the guy that's poking your feet, kind of those little slew foots, those uh, jabs after the whistle, all those types of things. So it's more keeping your, um, uh, you know, keeping calm in those situations and, and battling till you know you're sure you hear a whistle. And um, so they they both uh, pose different uh, challenges, but um, you know it's always fun to play against guys that uh, don't go to the net. So you put Simmons at the top of the list. He's not necessarily thick. I mean, he's got height, but doesn't seem like necessarily the the biggest guy thickness-wise. No, but he's he's strong. I mean, um, and quick. You know, you can you can move side to side quickly, and that creates some some screen options because uh, you know screening the goalie isn't just standing there. It's it's figuring out where he's looking, uh, moving at the right times when the shot's coming, and he's uh, uh, you can tell he's a he's a student that way. He thinks about it and. Um, you know, he's a, he's a good guy to, you know, for guys to, to watch, like Willie, and um, those guys can learn something from him, and, uh, you know, it's, it's fun. I like playing against those guys because it's, uh, that's more my uh, style of game is, is, you know, cat and mouse, you know, you know reading stuff, and um, so it's, uh, it's always a fun challenge. My final thing tonight is the 1,000th game for this team since Ovechkin was drafted, the so-called Ovechkin era game 1,000. He's played 971 of the 1,000. I mean, his durability, knock on wood, it's, it's in my opinion, an underrated aspect of his game almost. When you look at the, the body of work he's played, aside from the goals and assists, but just the, the manner in which he plays and the fact he's done it so many games, how much does that impress you? And I'm sure you've seen, seen, seen things he's sort of played through over over the years as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously his uh, his body's not built like many other people. I think naturally it's just a uh, kind of a phenomenon how he's uh, how he was built as a as a human, um, and uh, I think that's attributed to you know being able to play a lot, um, you know, games consistently, and you know he's learned how to manage it the last you know while. Um, He's not playing as, as reckless as he was when he was young, and you know it helps not uh, killing penalties or anything like that. Um, that's where a lot of injuries happen, those uh, uh, those areas. And but he's, uh, you know, he, he shows up to play. Uh, you know, you know you're you're gonna have him for most of the season, which is a good thing. And there they were, some of the thoughts earlier today. Braden Holpe catching up with him one on one at the Kettler Capitals Iceplex. And good stuff there, good perspective on the battle that Holpe will be facing over the next two games. Wayne Simmons of the Philadelphia Flyers, Patrick Hornfist on Friday night of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, two of the best in the league as far as that net front presence, couple of pests as far as what they're capable of doing when uh, stationing atop the crease and causing havoc and making life miserable for the like of Braden Holpe. But Holpe uh, certainly respectful of what Wayne Simmons does and an acknowledgement there that Wayne Simmons perhaps does it uh, a little cleaner, shall we say, than Patrick Hornfist of the Pittsburgh Penguins. But uh, Holpe certainly acknowledging he's always up for the challenge when facing the likes of Simmons and Hornfist. 
All right, we will take a timeout when we come back. Tarek El-Bashir of NBC Sports Washington will join us in the broadcast booth and also going to look back at a memorable night in Capitals history. A decade ago, 10 years ago tonight, Jan 31, 2008, arguably one of the best games of Alex Ovechkin's career. We'll relive it next when Caps Talk continues in a moment. Caps Radio 24-7 and the Caps mobile app. Sports talk show in Washington, completely dedicated to hockey. You're welcome. What the rain? This is Caps Talk. Caps Radio 24-7, baby. All capitals, all the time. Call the show at 1-855-GO-CAPS-5 right now or reach us on Twitter at Capitals Radio. Orpik going to the weak side. Bowie steps up and a shot that goes just wide left. And back in on the score! The puck in and it looked to be tipped on the way into the left circle and the Caps have tied it with 12.09 to go in the second. Alex Ovechkin, it's his 30th goal of the season and it's 2-2 here at BB&T Center. There was Alex Ovechkin redirecting a Brooks Orpic point shot last Thursday at the BB&T Center in Florida, part of the Capitals' 4-2 win over the Florida Panthers. Alex Ovechkin, his league-leading 30th goal of the season, just three shy of the 33 tallies he had all of last year during the 82-game campaign. And also noteworthy for Alex Ovechkin, 30 goals on the season for the 13th consecutive year to begin his NHL career. Only Mike Gartner and Wayne Gretzky can say that they did the same during their NHL careers. And worth noting, one of those seasons for Alex Ovechkin was the 48-game lockout-shortened 2012-13 campaign. So certainly impressive stuff from Alex Ovechkin. Right now, going to go back in time a little bit. Ten years ago tonight, arguably one of the best games in Alex Ovechkin's career. It's part of an overtime win over the Montreal Canadiens. As we look back ten years ago today, this date, in Capitals history. Now it's time for this dick in Capitals history. A Gordie Howe hat trick is a term that we use when a player records a goal, an assist, and a fight in the same game. By that definition, Alex Ovechkin did not earn a Gordie Howe hat trick on January 31st, 2008, but his performance in a win over Montreal had to make Mr. Hockey proud. Steve Colby had the call on the Capitals radio network. Near side, Ovechkin, one time to scores! Alex Ovechkin, the one-timer, goal number 40, and the Capitals have a Kozlov holds it up in front for Alex Ovechkin. Fires and scores! What a shot by Alex Ovechkin! And the Capitals have increased their lead. It's now 3-0. Alex the Great with goal number 41 on the season. On the left wing, here comes Ovechkin. Fires that one. Scores! Alex Ovechkin, the cat in the hat, and the Capitals have it's now the Capitals 4 and Montreal 2 as Alex Ovechkin is the Mad Hatter at Verizon Center. In what may go down as the best game of his NHL career, a 22-year-old Ovechkin recorded a hat trick in regulation before securing a Capitals win during 4-on-4 four four overtime. Back to the line, green slap shot, Ovechkin out of front, Ovechkin has it, fires it, scores! 
Ovechkin does it again. He scores the goal in overtime. And the Caps will walk away a winner. The final 5-4 as Alex Ovechkin has his second ever four-goal game. Alex the Great, point-blank range, and the Capitals ice Montreal. Ovechkin finished with four goals and an assist, accounting for all five Washington goals in the 5-4 overtime win. But that's only part of the story. Ovechkin was a physical force, leading the Capitals with a game-high five hits. He also kept the training staff busy, requiring stitches in his mouth after he was high-sticked on his first shift of the game, and later suffered a broken nose after a second-period collision. But Ovechkin did not miss a shift, skating more than 24 minutes and helping make a winner out of goaltender Ole Kolzig. Well, Ovi plays with edge, and if you get it, you know, if you, it's, it's the old saying, don't wake up a sleeping giant, not that Ovi sleeps every night, but he put it into an extra gear after that happened. He single-handedly won us that hockey game. Victor Kozlov had a goal and two assists in a win, plus a front-row seat for one of the best individual nights in team history. Alex's game, excellent, excellent. You know, hitting people, passing, scoring, what else forwards can do. Excellent game by Alex. Ovechkin went on to win both the Hart Trophy and the Lester B. Pearson Award during the 2007-2008 season. His four-goal game against Montreal served as one of the signature moments during his MVP campaign. And it was on this date, January 31st, 2008. For Caps Radio 24-7 and the Capitals Radio Network, I'm John Walton. All right, good stuff right there. Again, arguably, I'll make the case, one of the best games in Alex Ovechkin's career, the four-goal, five-point performance. He accounted for all five Capitals goals in the 5-4 overtime win against the Montreal Canadiens, that among the highlights of a season which saw the Capitals wind up clinching the Southeast Division for their first playoff berth during the Alex Ovechkin era. And a guy who was in attendance that night while he was in the press box covering the game, for the Washington Post at the time, we heard those answers there, those cuts from Ole Kolzig and Victor Kozlov. I have to thank the man to my right for getting those guys to open up a little bit post-game. Tarek El-Bashir, that was a memorable night a decade ago. Were those my questions? They were. It was you and Lisa Outstanding. Hillary. Outstanding. You and Lisa Hillary <laughs> okay. going back and oh, forth. Oh, Lisa, memories. In the post-game She was scrubs. great. She was cool. Yeah, no, that game is certainly one of the more memorable games. And let's be honest, Alex Ovechkin's had – Oh, 200 games that you know <laughs> probably stick out in your mind as as uh, outstanding individual performances, if not more. That's unreal. Uh, it really right. was, and and Ole Kozlik nailed it. When Alex, especially early on in his career, there were there were definitely some Tuesday nights against the Florida Panthers where he was just kind of in coast mode for a little bit, and then would get a hit, and then or he would either make a hit or get hit. And certainly it was poking the bear, and he would wake up, and then all of a sudden he switches it into sixth gear, into overdrive, and he's gone. And uh, that, that certainly was the case there that night against Montreal. Uh, I mean, how many guys suffer a broken nose and finish the game? He didn't miss a shift. Didn't miss a shift. It's unreal. Yeah. Like I, I rewatched that game in its entirety last year just as far as uh, for, for the book project I was working on, and I'm watching the game, and I couldn't believe – 
what he was doing. For also noteworthy, you referenced like it's not that Tuesday night against Florida. Yeah. It was a Friday night in January. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. you know, it was game whatever it was, 53. And, that's, and, and uh, you know, for all the Caps fans out there that wonder why Ovi's nose is crooked, that's why. It was that incident. <laughs> I, I think that contributed to it, yeah, and, sure. and I've joked with him about that. And he's like, yeah, when I'm done playing, there's no point in getting it fixed now. It's just going to get broken again. Unreal. Same with his tooth. He's like, yeah, when I'm uh, done, I'll, 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 I'll get a, a nice permanent bridge put in. But he's like, right now, you know, it's just going to get knocked out certainly again. Certainly a lot of wear and tear on that. But that game, so that's in his third season. He's 22 years old. It was three weeks after he signed the long extension, mm-hmm. the 10-year, which you don't even see anymore, or 13-year, I should say. 13-year, 124 million. And, and earlier in that, Ole calls it cut, which I – edited out but he says he's worth uh it's a bargain for the capitals to have him but that year yeah. his third year yep. ends up with 65 goals mm-hmm. he wins the hart trophy the lester b pearson the players mvp that to me was peak ovechkin it's cool it's great what he does now again leading the league in goals but you know what i mean back then that third year that youthful exuberance he had that was him at his peak not that he's taken such a step back but Golly, he did that like on a nightly basis. Yeah, without a doubt. I would say his rookie season through 2010 was peak Ovi. Um, you know, he has found ways to still be a major influence on games and a major force in the league without necessarily taking over games shift after shift uh, the past few years. But uh, And to his credit, you know, at 32 years old, he's figured out a way to, to kind of reinvent himself again um, this season. But when I think of the, the, the best years of Ovi's career, you know, it, it really is those first five or six seasons when uh, even that rookie season, his first game, do you remember against the Columbus Blue Jackets, right? Broke he the broke glass. the boards on, like, his first, first or second shift. First, first shift. First shift. Then he scored a goal. Then he scored another goal yeah. just to make sure everyone saw the first one. You know, I, I mean, he, he's a showman. He loves the, the, the grand stage. Uh, and, you know, I'll be honest, you know, I feel privileged and lucky to kind of have seen – the um the maturation of this guy and kind of see how he's gone through the ups and downs he's had some down years he's had some you know personal struggles on the ice and uh to see him bounce back the way he's bounced back this year after you know doing the work this off season that was required of him um it's got to be really gratifying and satisfying for him as well i'll say like numbers wise that 0708 season was his best but i think potentially this year now his 13th NHL 13th. campaign. We can perhaps take a step back in the offseason and look back at this year, depending on how the final 33 games play out, and who knows what happens beyond that in the spring. But this year also, I think, is going to rank among one of his best, just all things considered, the age, the mileage, what he's doing this year to bounce back from, you know, based on his standards, a, a step back last season. He's rebounded this year. He's up to the league-leading goals. He's doing it at even strength. He's using the wheels. I like what Braden Holtby told me a few weeks ago. He's creating things on his own. He's not waiting for others to create for him. And I think that's a terrific way to, to describe sort of the season he's having and, and the goals, not only the volume, but how he's scoring them. This is the first time in two or three seasons, as Holtby said, we have seen Ovi get to pucks and then make things happen. There have been a handful of games this season where – He's just looked like he's had jets on his skates where he's he's done things that we haven't seen in a little while. He's turned defensemen around. He's caught guys flat-footed, you know, hit that extra gear and gotten around guys. Uh, you know, there had been kind of a tendency uh, on for, for him uh, the past few years where he, he would try to take on two defenders and he would skate right into the, right into the guts of the defense and 
predictably the puck would get knocked off of him. He would do a big loop and then come back. And, you know, if he was fortunate, the puck wasn't in the back of the net or he wasn't, you know, chasing someone down. But what we're seeing now is he's using speed to the outside. Uh, you know, he's he's making those power moves to the inside. He's he's toe-dragging guys again where, you know, his hands never slowed down, but the feet did, the legs did. And now he's he's gotten that uh, that speed and intensity and just kind of that burst that we hadn't seen in a the few burst, years, yeah. the burst, yeah. you know, just kind of that extra little bit of giddy-up when he needs it. To me, he looks like a 27-year-old, 26-year-old Ovi. I, you know, we're never going to see the the 21-year-old one again. We're not going to see that one. We R- saw right. two years ago. <laughs> right. But, but to your point, like, like, yeah, I agree with you. It's as if he's gone back just a few years. Absolutely. Ago. Yeah. You know, th- this summer when he started posting those videos on Instagram of him and his trainer Pavel, uh, forgive me, I don't remember his last name, running through a forest. Pavel the trainer. Pavel the trainer, uh, who I believe was a is a runner, running through the forest in suburban Moscow. I was like, all right. He got it's the on. message. It's on. Yeah. You know, he understands he's got to change his body composition. He's got to, you know, not be. Uh, he doesn't need to be training for strength as much as he needs to be training for speed and quickness. And uh, that's what you're seeing now. Uh, you're seeing the fruits of all that hard work this summer. Uh, you know, he changed equipment companies. I don't know how big of a deal that is, but you know what? The last time he changed equipment companies, you know, he went from CCM to Bauer back to CCM. The last time he made a change, he had a big bounce back year too. So. Maybe it's between the years in that regard. You know what? A lot of times yeah. it is. Uh, you know, maybe the stick is giving him an extra 3%, but the, he's getting 25% in his head yeah. because, you know, he felt like maybe the stick let him down last year. So um, I think you add all those things together and you see what we're seeing right now. And real quick, even the last time they played Philadelphia, two plays come to mind on the back check, you know, swiping the puck and making great defensive plays. In the All-Star game, he was back checking. <laughs> he back checked Stamkos all the way down the ice. Yeah. Uh. He wants to rewrite that narrative. He's not winning a Selkie <laughs> trophy anytime soon, but encouraging nonetheless. Final couple of things here with Tarek El-Bashir from NBC Sports Washington. All right, so now he's approaching a uh, couple of milestones. Forget even the goals and the assists, but just in terms of the games played, uh, in February he'll pass if he, you know, knock on wood, is in the lineup here. He'll pass Callie Johansson, most games played in franchise history. Yep. And then before the year's done, he could potentially uh, hit that threshold of 1,000 against Pittsburgh games. Right? Against Pittsburgh yeah. on yeah. April Fool's Day. How great would yeah. that be uh, <laughs> to Pittsburgh, do it against right. the he penguins did, he did a thousand points against Pittsburgh. Yep. now he can get to a thousand games against the penguins. that's right but uh what i'm getting at is when we talk about the way he's played and you you referenced a, a few minutes ago in passing almost like he's he's adapted he's adjusted a little bit but the fact he has been in the lineup knock on wood that durability to me is like an underrated aspect of his game especially the way he played early on in his career but the fact that he's able to remain in the lineup he's played through plenty of things but uh that to me is is one of the more under perhaps appreciated aspects of his game just that that fixture that he is in the lineup night after night especially given the way he plays yeah, exactly. you know he, he doesn't he doesn't play that heavy game that he used to but he still will go and line up a guy and and really put a hurt on on an opponent um and for him to only have missed I, I believe the longest time he had been out was six straight games I heard that yeah and if I remember correctly that was a shoulder injury yeah. um you know he had a heel injury um he's had a you know he's had a hamstring and a quad and you know the the kind of you know leg muscle strain that you would expect of a player who plays at his level um from time to time but the fact that he's only missed 
you know, really, when you look at how many games he's played, a handful of games due to injury. I mean, he's probably 17. missed 17. So he's probably missed nearly as many games for suspensions and, and grievance, you know, um, yes. um, bereavement leave yeah. and, and other things. So, sleeping yeah, through the alarm. Sleeping through the alarm um, and, and those types of things. I mean, it really is amazing given the way he plays. But, you know, Ted Leone just told me early on when I was covering this team, this guy's cut from a different cloth. Like, he's made of different material. He's just not your typical human. I mean, he, he just, you know, you don't want to say he's superhuman, but there are certain guys who are just built differently. Different than, than you than, and I, than, yes. Than others. Uh, different even than other pro athletes. Yeah. You know, different from, you know, I mean, how many guys out there have had a ton of talent but couldn't stay on the ice or on the yeah. field or on the court because they were always banged up? Uh, you know, one guy in this building, John Wall. I mean, you know, imagine what some of these guys would have been able to accomplish had they not. Sidney Crosby. Mario Lemieux. Mario Lemieux. I mean, I love the way you say Lemieux. Say, say it again. I didn't even notice. You, 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 said, you said it the French way. Mario Lemieux. Ah, I love it. I love it. I love it. Mario Lemieux. And you say Mario Lemieux. Mario Lemieux. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Hey, before you let me go, I got a question for you. What were we just watching out here? That was Broomball. What you is Broomball? Broom that, that was my ninth birthday was Broomball. My no ninth birthday way. party was Broomball. That looked hey, like fun. Hey, listen, if we're talking Broomball, I'd be in on that. <laughs> that he, Tarek was asking yeah. me what, what they were doing downstairs early. It looked like a rake ball. It looked like a rake, you not a broom. Broomball? I mean, I've heard of it. I've just you don't it. hang around hockey rinks enough. I do, but that was the first time I ever actually witnessed a game. It looked kind of cool. Yeah. Like I said, that was my ninth my ninth. Four years in college. Yeah. <laughs> really? Do you wear special shoes, or are you just out there in sneakers? No, you go out and basically break yourself. <laughs> go and break yourself. Yeah. Broomball. Yeah, my All right. birthday party was Broomball, a pizza party. You're so and Canadian. And trading hockey cards. <laughs> that was, and it was the party of the year. Yeah, man. <laughs> the third graders. <laughs> they were that's loving about it. as stereotypical as it is. <laughs> they were loving it. Well, Tark, uh, I appreciate this. Absolutely. we party in the broadcast booth now, apparently. We'll, uh, we'll catch up with All you right. later. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ben. There he is, Tark Elbashir from NBC Sports Washington. A little Broomball chat, little Alex Ovechkin. And I'll, I'll now relay the tale. Tarek was in the dressing room today. Uh, he had the quiz for Alex Ovechkin. This was good stuff. John, you John witnessed this earlier today. John settling in I now. Did. Yeah, you you, you witnessed what Tarek was doing with Ov today in the I dressing did. room. I did. It was awesome. That was good stuff. I used it on NHL Network at 4:10. That was a good nugget. So here, here here's the nugget, Tarek real side. quick. We're predicting perhaps Alex Ovechkin scores a goal tonight. Why? Because Tarek posed him the question today, Alex Ovechkin in the dressing room. says, hey, Ovi, you know you've scored against eight goalies who were once your teammates in this league. And he goes down the list. I'm doing this at the top of my head now. Ole Kolzig, Brent Johnson, Jose Theodore, Cristobal Huey, Justin Peters. I'm going to forget somebody. <laughs> Did we say Brent yeah. Johnson? Yeah, he said Brent Johnson. Yeah. Varlamov, Okun. Yes. That's seven. And there was some other who he there, scored against, yes. former teammate. Yes. Anyways, there was one that he didn't. And who's that one? The one that he has not scored against is Michael Neuver. So he is the only goalie, and I just used this at 410 on NHL Network, the only goalie that, the, that Alex Ovechkin has played with and then played against and then did not score against said goaltender. Now, I think that can be in the reverse. You could have played Brent Johnson was before he got right. here. Uh, but either way, like he got a goal against a guy he played with and played against. Michael Neuver, it's the only one. So as I said with the crew on NHL Network a little while ago, 
Be ready, Michael, because it's coming <laughs> your way. And by the way, Ovi fully acknowledged Tarek's question, and he thought about it, and he left, and he sort of said, hmm, I haven't scored against him, eh? You saw the the, the wheels returning in there. It's good oh, stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Can yeah. we go back to talk about Broomball just for a second before I leave you be? Yeah, please. I was uh, the uh, 148 intramural teams at Miami University. By the way, the league was run by none other than <laughs> Mitch Corn. Mitch Corn ran the league. So he ran hockey and Broomball. He did. Wow. You want, you want to go talk Broomball, go find Mitch Corn. Absolutely. The leading goal getter, two different seasons. There were three seasons every academic year, and twice. Not you. This guy led the league in goals. What about penalty minutes? I did that, too, a couple times. But at least my team. I don't know about the league. I don't think oh, they, okay. kept, they kept track of that. In an eight, it was an eight-game season. An eight-game season, spring was six. In an eight-game season, I had 54 goals. That's a good ratio. My, college, my roommate, Mike, from college, he lives in Denver now, uh, he was the leading assist guy in the league. The, we never won a championship, which still bothers me to this day. We'd always get in the postseason and things would go sideways. Not going to say anything. Don't you at me. <laughs> but, yeah. Not saying anything. But, uh, but that's true. I, uh, I, I just asked. WTOP was down there just now. And I, I, every time I have asked them, they have the salespeople against the on-air. And I have asked, please let me play. And I told it because I said, I, I gave away the store. I said, hey, listen, if you want to learn how to shoot it harder, you got to turn the stick this way and do it. And they say it would be unfair. I said, well, I'm, I'm on the air. I do air stuff on TOP. Put me Bring in the, in air the ringer here. I said, this, then the sales team will be on. I said, oh, put me the sales team. I don't care. Yeah, you throw away the records when on air meets sales. You Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I want to play. I just asked uh, Andrea downstairs, who was running the group, I asked if I could play. And I, I said, listen, I'll put sweats on right now. I said, the game's not till 8 o'clock. I got time. <laughs> All right, well, you talk about the penalty minutes. Yeah. You're going to like this later on. I chopped a few people. You're gonna, well, you're going to like this later yeah. on in the show. Alan May oh. chatted with him earlier today. <laughs> I didn't at have this kind of penalty minutes. Earlier today at Kettler, was chatting with Alan May. Yeah. I said, we've got the, the Flyers in town. They tell us it's the night you love to hate. He's snickering. He's laughing. What are they going to get tonight? Half a dozen penalty minutes each? He had tales of the good old days. He was part of the game, the, the, the record here, most penalty minutes in franchise history for two teams combined. Uh-huh. It was like March 91. Ken Sabrin, I was going to say, Sabby had to be involved in that. He contributed to that. Yeah. Ken Sabrin, John Cordick, Ally Afraidy, Dale Hunter, Alan May, Dino Cicerelli. Oh, man. Anyways. That's the night you yeah. love to hate yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah, And it was a 6 nothing Capitals win. So, 6 nothing. you know, it's a lopsided score. What did Sabby have? He got a couple he had 14 fighting. pimps. 14 of those yeah. with, with yeah. our guy. Yeah. Okay. 14 out of 147. For that's a nice, healthy chunk. Yeah. That's good. May had 22. That's that, a good night that's at the a, office. That's a healthier chunk. <laughs> So that's good. So uh, we have that coming up in a little bit, unless you had anything else to add here. No, I think I've disrupted the show enough. All right. Appreciate that. We'll uh, see you in a bit. There he is, John Walton. We will be back in just a moment. We will hear from Alan May and a little bit more as we continue to count down to tonight's game between the Caps and Flyers. Right here at Capital One Arena on this game day edition of Caps Talk, Caps Radio 24-7 and the Caps mobile app. your team it's your show caps talk by the fans for the fans afternoons monday through friday four to six eastern on washington's home for caps hockey caps radio 24 7 here's ben raby Wishing John Walton all the best as he heads overseas 
to call the Winter Games for NBC Sports. John, it's a tremendous honor you've received, and I think I speak for all of us on the broadcast team, including Ken Sabrin, Mike Callow, and Tim Parker, when I say that working with you is a real treat. You'll be missed over the next few weeks. Gotta say, spotting the Chick-fil-A cow in the broadcast booth won't be nearly as much fun without you, but we know you'll do a great job in South Korea, and you'll represent all of us very well. And before you go, we reached out to a few folks who wanted to wish you well. Congrats again, John. Hi, John Boy. It's Alan May, your buddy from NBC Sports Washington. I just wanted to wish you all the best in South Korea during the Olympics. Don't have too much fun and be careful of what you eat over there. John, it's Dave Mishkin with the Lightning. Congratulations again and have a great time in South Korea. Hi, John Walton. This is Chuck Caton from the Kane Radio Network. First of all, safe travels to South Korea. Get some sleep on the plane and enjoy all the kimchi and pork burgoji uh, that you want. But stay away from the hangover stew. I uh, hear, well, you won't need it anyway. I know you'll do a terrific job. Take care, my friend. All the best. Hey, John, it's Rob Carlin from NBC Sports Washington. Uh, best of luck as you head off to the Olympics. This is an absolute dream come true for any broadcaster. I don't know if you plan on using good morning, good afternoon, and good night during the Olympics, or if that's just a Caps trademark thing. I will say this, do not use, do you believe in miracles? It's been used, don't use that one. Best of luck, I know it'll be awesome. No pressure, the whole world will be listening. Take care, good luck. Dave Johnson here, voice of the Washington Wizards, and I'm bursting with pride because my brother in radio is on an Olympic journey. So proud of John Walton, proud to call him a close friend, and now I look forward to seeing him do what he does best, call hockey games on a national stage, and then the rest of the country will know what we already know here in D.C. We have a gold medal winner behind the microphone for the Washington Caps. Put that in all caps. Zach Fish with the Hershey Bears here, and on behalf of everyone in Chocolate Town, want to wish John Walton good luck overseas in South Korea for the Winter Olympics. What an opportunity. We're all proud of him here at Chocolate Town. He's been a great friend and mentor to me. And as we all know, one of the best of the biz on the microphone. Best of luck, John, and go Team USA. Johnny Walton, how you doing? This is John Bartlett from TSN in Montreal here. Wishing you all the very best as you venture out on your first Olympic tour. What an honor, man. As someone who's had the pleasure of calling women's hockey north of the border for several years, I'm glad you'll get to experience firsthand the world-class talent and world-class people that these athletes and women's hockey truly are and get to showcase them across the United States. Enjoy the games, my friend, and go do that hockey. Hey, John, it's Tarek El-Bashir from NBC Sports Washington. Man, it's been my pleasure to watch your career trajectory over the last several years from the minor leagues to the big show, and now you've got the opportunity of a lifetime calling the Olympic Games on network TV. Do us proud, man. I know you will. Hi, John. This is Matt Laughlin of the New Jersey Devils. I just want to offer my congratulations on on the Olympic assignment and wish you the very best of luck in your call in the upcoming Olympic Games. We're all excited for the opportunity afforded to you. It is well deserved. You earned the chance and I know that you will kill it. One quick question. If the occasion arises, might we hear a good morning, good afternoon and good night Switzerland call? Have fun, my friend. Hey, John, it's Wes Johnson, you know, the other voice of your Washington Capitals. We're all very proud of you heading out to call the Olympics, but there's just a few tips I want you to remember. One, when you go to South Korea, try not to head north. It, it, it's not Canada, eh? And also, pack your luggage full of your own food. I'm just saying. Thanks, John. 
make us proud, and try not to create an international incident. All right, there they were. Some of the thoughts from voices from around the league. Wishing John well as he gets set to cover the Winter Olympics for the first time in his broadcasting career heading overseas this weekend. So tonight's game against the Philadelphia Flyers will actually be his final Capitals game until late February. He'll miss a dozen games while he's overseas in South Korea as part of the broadcast team for NBC Sports. So looking forward to seeing John on the TV side, primarily covering the women's hockey tournament on NBC Sports and the NBC Sports Network. And uh, we'll replay that as well uh, with John in the booth during the second intermission tonight. He doesn't know about that. It's like a little bit of a surprise. So we'll get to that a little bit later on in the broadcast tonight between the Capitals and Philadelphia Flyers. And speaking of the Caps and Flyers, the night you love to hate in the NHL, Wednesday night rivalry night. And back in the day, the Caps and Flyers, they don't much care for each other these days. But back in the day, used to really be a hostile rivalry, even going back to the 1970s and early 80s. But in particular, the late 80s, early 90s, Capitals and Flyers, one of the top rivalries in the NHL at that time. And Alan May of NBC Sports Washington, a fixture in the Capitals lineup in that era. And earlier today at Kettler, I caught up with Alan looking ahead to tonight's game against Philadelphia, but also reminiscing about the good old days Back in the late 80s, early 90s, when the Caps and Flyers used to set all kinds of penalty minute records. All right, Alan, they call it the night you love to hate. It's Wednesday rivalry night in the NHL. That means Capitals and Philadelphia Flyers. But here we are uh, a couple of decades removed from your heyday as a player. And you could paint the picture a little bit. Capitals, Flyers, there used to be uh, a little bit more animosity, you could say, back in the day between these two franchises. Paint the picture a little bit, if you will, from... The early 90s, late 80s, Capitals, Flyers, perhaps at the peak of the rivalry there. Well, I think it all stems from the 1970s Broad Street Bullies with the Philadelphia Flyers. And, you know, they bullied a lot of teams. They bullied all the expansion teams over the years. And, you know, after those older players started to retire, teams started to be a little tougher and a little braver when they went into the spectrum or the Flyers came into your building and ours was the U.S. Air Arena back then. And uh, it was almost like... There was gasoline already out there, and it was just a matter of who's going to light it. And every single game, uh, it was just a matter of time before something happened. It usually started around the net. Someone would bump a goalie, or a goalie would come out. Usually Ron Hextall would do something, and there'd be pushing and shoving. And sooner or later, there'd be gloves dropped, there'd be fights, then there'd be another fight, and then the next shift out, somebody would do something. And it seemed like it built up every single game that we had played. Some teams, I imagine, could handle that better than others. And the way those Capitals teams were built, late 80s, early 90s, yourself, Kenny Sabrin, Ally Afraidy, Dino Cicerelli, those weren't guys who were going to back down at Philadelphia. No, I, I, I think that's the reason I was traded here initially was uh, because of how I played in the American Hockey League and, and uh, for my first couple years there, the year that I played in the Coast before that. And, you know, they brought me in here with over 1,000 penalty minutes in those three seasons. And... I, uh, and, and it wasn't for getting tripping penalties and, and hooking penalties. It was, uh, you know, roughing and fighting and doing those types of things. So it was a matter of you know, making sure that you played good against Philadelphia. That was the one game that mattered. Kind of like a Boston Bruin, you had to play good against Montreal. You had to be up to the task. And, you know, so my first exhibition game with the Caps going into uh, the Spectrum, I had three fights in the first period, and that was all she wrote. I knew I was on the team after that. And uh, it was just a matter of time during the regular season. But you look at the guys that we had. My first Caps team, uh, I was 339 penalty minutes. I think Neil Sheehy was uh, 312. Scotty Stevens around 260. 
and then he added Nick Kiprios was a complimentary guy. Bob Rouse uh, was a guy that got involved and never backed down. And so it was a matter of how well you played and how well you stood up to Philly. And then they had players that were there for one reason and one reason only, very one-dimensional players. And, you know, they'd have very, very good top-end guys, but those other guys were out there to, to create chaos and intimidate every single game. So it was a matter of uh, holding your ground and proving that you would never back down from them. So they had Dave Brown. Not sure if you crossed paths with him as an opponent. He was a feisty one for Philadelphia. Rick Talkett up front. He could score goals. He could he could cause fisticuffs as well. Who on those Philadelphia Flyers teams did you respect in terms of you knew it was going to be a challenge? You knew you were going to have to earn your paycheck that night going up against Player X. Well, every single one of the guys that you mentioned, it was uh, Dave Brown. Fortunately, wasn't there at the start, but he, they brought him back for the sequel, which was kind of scary in itself. But uh, Terry Karkner, six foot five. Jeff, Jeff Chikrin, six foot six. Tony Horacek, six foot five. Dave Brown was six foot five. Jay Wall, six four. And those guys all came to the arena uh, in ill humor every night. Very violent, physical hockey players, and you had to be ready every single game because they were vicious with their sticks. It was part of what, you know, Holmgren, Bobby Clark, you know, the management, the coaching staff, they wanted that type of hockey played. Murray Barron was another large guy, but you go over the years, they always had a ton of guys, and I, and I shouldn't uh, uh, forget to say Craig Berube was a willing combatant every night, and he played physical, a Scott Mellenby. You look around, and there was always someone to have a dance with, and uh, to, to you know get involved with but it, w it was a lot of fun the games were fun and you know, I think my first game I watched fights in the stands as well and my second game and my third game and you know the fans used to hate each other just as much as the players in the rivalry did all right so final thing on that we were looking at some of the box scores from then early 90s couple of blowout wins for the Capitals I imagine those ones you maybe savored a little bit more with the fellas in the dressing room when not only would you maybe win some of the battles on the ice but afterwards you could look at the scoreboard and you, you won where it mattered most as well well, you know, one of the things that when I got here in 1989, it was how well you played against the Flyers. They had eliminated the Caps in the playoffs the spring before, and, uh, you know, they were intimidated. They didn't feel like they were the right team. So we had a, a pretty good package of tough guys, and we were able to dominate them for three seasons, playing physical, going into their building, never backing down, actually being, uh, you know, more of a, uh, a protagonist and getting after them right after the start. And, you know, it, the games were just so fun because they were combustible and they're, they're great stories when you're sitting at the bar having a beer with your buddies. And uh, to this day, you look back at all the chaos in those games and, you know, what they describe now as a wild and crazy game in the NHL is, uh, is <laughs> nothing compared to the day back when uh, I played and, and, and all those other guys, having a guy like Scott Stevens on your team who would flip his switch uh, so easily and then the game would completely turn. And it was a lot of fun. I was going to say, when you're referencing 339 PIMS a year north of 300, I think now the league leaders, it's like 180, 190. I mean, it's south of 200 these days. Yeah, I always get a kick out of, you know, some, some teams will have a guy that's had you know, dropped the gloves three or four times, and they don't have a player that's hit 100 minutes. And, you know, right now Tom Wilson's numbers are way up uh, for where they've been in the past. You know, at 118 minutes right now, the Flyers don't even have a guy in triple digits or not even close to triple digits right now, which is, I think, one of the strangest things in the world. And it shows that the Philadelphia Flyers have turned the page on being the Broad Street Bullies. The fans still expect them to do that, but it's not how they play anymore. They're a highly skilled hockey team. The Caps are highly skilled. And uh, you don't think about that part of the game anymore. And last thing on that, what were those game days like? And what I'm getting at is now I feel like decades removed, there's a lot of guys who used to drop the gloves who say, 
one of those very anxious days and you wondered and you know it, it led some people down the wrong road ultimately they dealt with some real struggles knowing what was in store later that day or later that evening what was it like for you as a player knowing what your job was potentially going to be that night you know it's funny uh, I talked to a lot of the old players about this and, and they talked about how scared they were going into different arenas and you know one of the best ways to, to take care of that and those anxious feelings was I never thought about it and you know, I just went through my day. Anytime one of those thoughts would come in, I would just shake my head and try to get rid of it. And uh, it was a lot easier to relax. And, you know, I was already an aggressive person, an aggressive player. So I was just about getting my adrenaline going before the game physically, good warm-ups, and then, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Because I had done it all through junior. I was a one-man wrecking crew uh, all by myself and all the teams that I played for. And, uh, you know, so I was just used to doing it. And I was brought up. My dad was a was smaller person. I was a smaller guy. And uh, I, I just learned not to fear anybody. And, you know, so I, I think ultimately that, that's what took care of me over that course of time. All right. Well, appreciate the perspective on that. What are you looking for tonight? Flyers, Capitals, the 2017-18 editions meeting now for the third time. Camp still looking for their first win against the Flyers. What are you looking for tonight? Well, I'm looking for a, a lot better, faster performance out of the Capitals to make sure that they're aggressive around the Flyers net, getting after Michael Neuwirth. Uh, because, you know, so far they've been on their heels both games that they've played. Uh, they've got to be way more aggressive in every area. And, and the bottom line, they, they've got to make the Flyers pay five on five. Flyers are very stingy in the five on five. Caps have to be dominant in that area. And then hopefully the power play gets back to going at a regular clip where all these talented players are converting on their opportunities. If you skate fast, you're, you're going to create a lot more opportunities on the power play and a lot more scoring chances. So I, I think they've got to play at a much higher tempo than they played these last two games against Philly. I was going to say, last time Philly was here a couple of uh, Sundays ago, they were able to slow it down in the neutral zone, clog it up. It was like the old greasy road game they played. They, they really wanted to take the pace out. Well, they did. And, you know, it's one of the things that we saw over the last five games, bef you know, be before the last couple of breaks that the Caps had. Uh, you know, teams go back, the, the opposition goes back one game usually to do the video on the team that they're playing. And everyone was playing the same system. So the good news for the Caps is, is that, you know, the last game they played against Florida was a completely different look. They were way more aggressive themselves, and it'll give the Flyers something. They're probably not going to play the exact same game plan they had a while back where the Caps were getting frustrated, forcing passes. Uh, you look at that Philly game. The, the game before it was Montreal that was just a, an absolute disaster as far as moving the puck was concerned. And the Caps were a lot crisper, a lot cleaner. They were getting pucks to the wards in front of the net. They weren't backing off at all uh, against the Panthers, and it paid off big time for them. All right, we'll keep an eye on that tonight. Appreciate it, Alan, and the stories as well. Thank you. Thank you. All right, good stuff there from Alan May from NBC Sports Washington, the Capitals alum, talking to him earlier today at Kettler, looking ahead to tonight's game against the Flyers and also reminiscing a little bit about the good old days in the Capitals-Flyers rivalry uh, back when the teams would get together at the old Spectrum in South Philly and a little closer to home here in D.C. out in Landover, Maryland at the Capitals Center. Some battles between the Caps and Flyers who will uh, reunite tonight. The rivalry renewed here at Capital One Arena. Third of four meetings this year between the Caps and Flyers. Again, the Capitals still seeking their first win this year against Philadelphia. Flyers took the first matchup back in October, October 14th to be exact. An 8-2 blowout win for Philadelphia. And then the teams got together here a couple of Sundays ago, January 21st. Philadelphia coming away with the 2-1 win in overtime with Travis Konechny netting the overtime game winner. All right, we will take a timeout. When we come back, we'll head back inside the Capitals dressing room. We will hear 
from John Carlson and Tom Wilson looking ahead to a busy stretch upcoming for the Capitals with 15 games in 28 nights. And it all gets started this evening against Philadelphia. This is a game day edition of Caps Talk on Caps Radio 24-7 and the Caps mobile app. Call us at one eight five five go caps 5 We got a pretty good high-scoring offense. Um, I think we have the right coaching staff in place. Now it seems like everybody's firing on all cylinders. I, mean, I think they have a deeper team than they've ever had before. I'm thinking we're going to do real well. I'm expecting wonderful things for the Caps this year. This is Caps Talk on Caps Radio 24-7. Ovechkin along the end wall is defended by Ekblad. Right side now, blue line, and Kuznetsov, right circle, center, they score! John Carlson on a great feed by Tom Wilson. Right circle to the slot, one-time hold by number 74, and it's three to Washington. It was John Carlson last Thursday night in the eventual 4-2 win over the Florida Panthers. Carlson netting the game-winning goal, his seventh tally overall on the season. John Carlson also up to 38 points in 49 games. 38 points for John Carlson. That is already one clear of his total from all of last season. John Carlson, not an all-star, not an all-star John Carlson, but he does rank third overall among defensemen in scoring this season behind only John Klingberg of the Dallas Stars and Brent Burns of the San Jose Sharks. P.K. Subban, Drew Doughty round out the top five as far as defensive scoring is concerned. As we welcome you back inside the broadcast booth here, Ben Raby back with you on this game day edition of Caps Talk, Caps Radio 24-7 and the Caps mobile app continuing to get you set for the Capitals. And the Philadelphia Flyers, note the start time tonight. Puck drop coming up just past 8 Eastern. The official start of Caps pregame with John Walton, Ken Sabrin, and myself at 745. All right, right now we head back inside the Capitals dressing room. Before we hear from Tom Wilson, we're going to hear from Caps defenseman John Carlson. All these breaks are now in the rear view, 33 games and 67 nights. What's what's the key to a strong finishing kick for you guys? Um, I, th I think you'd like to get off to a good start, just like kind of, um, you know, the beginning of the season, that's what everyone talks about. And this is kind of, it almost feels like that in a way, obviously less of the, the other stuff going on. But um, we have a pretty favorable schedule to, to start, I think, in terms of, the days in between games and all that kind of stuff. So I think, um, you know, we have every reason to start out well and uh, let that momentum take us. Big home game tomorrow night against one of the few teams in the East that you guys haven't uh, beaten yet and a team that's, you know, in pursuit of you guys as well. Uh, and a team that you saw recently, what uh, what can you take from that? You guys played pretty well in that Sunday afternoon game uh, 10 days ago or so. Yeah, I think that, that kind of... Um, you know, was a stop to a lot of things that were creeping into our game and um, the start to the new game, and hopefully that uh, that carries over the break. But it's not going to be easy. There's, uh, it seems like almost every game is going to feel sort of like the, this next one. So um, everything means so much now uh, this time of year, and we got to treat it like that. Does it feel good to kind of get back into routine? You guys have gone through a long stretch of a few games to get into the routine and really kind of white knuckle it now here. Yeah, I think, um, you know, as pros, you kind of get used to something, and uh, it's almost like that much time off kind of 
throws you for a loop, even if it's not a break, even if it's just, you know, practice days. Um, seems to knock you out of a rhythm a little bit, and now we got what we want, and, uh, you know, we got to make some hay with it. Four, nine, four games in 19 days is another lot we've talked a lot about it, but you playing the highest ice time of your career, is like, does it help you, like, now for the last kick of the season, like, you feel, you feel fresh? Um, yeah, I think everyone talks about that. I think, you know, maybe it's not going to help in the next week or even two weeks, but over the course of the year, you know, rest, uh, rest matters a lot, and... Um, if you treat it as that, so um, you know the importance of making sure you're doing the right things and and um, not straying too far away from from what you know. And um, I think we're all professionals in here and take care of ourselves the right way to to make these uh, little breaks and you know, times of rest. Uh, you know, you know, just optimize them as much as possible because we're not. Uh, you know, that's all. That stuff's all over now. So. Um, you know, it'll be a big stretch, and we're all excited for it. Is that just like making yourself rest when you have the chance to, rather than trying to do? Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, absolutely. It's it's everything. It's the way you take care of yourself, what you're doing with your body, what's, you know, if you're just relaxing, that's good too sometimes. But uh, sometimes you need to do a little work here and there to, you know, keep keep it moving. So um, everybody's different in that regard. Everyone knows their body the best and what, you know, they respond to. Um, and that's what you do. All right, some of the pregame thoughts there from John Carlson. Looking ahead to tonight's game against Philadelphia and the Capitals returning from the All-Star break. And again, the Capitals uh, didn't have a whole lot of action going on even before the All-Star break. Just four games in 18 days. But now they're going to see the other end of the spectrum, uh, a whole reversal as far as the itinerary is concerned now with 15 games in the next 28 nights overall and that will actually take us uh to the end of february just before the capitals take it outdoors on march 3rd against the toronto maple leafs in annapolis as part of the league's stadium series all right final bit of pregame audio we leave it to caps forward tom wilson who will be back on the number one line tonight alongside kuznetsov and ovechkin tom wilson his thoughts on getting back at it starting tonight against philly i mean no one will kind of ever admit to thinking about peaking at the right time i think Kind of our identity is taking every game um, as important as it is, and you know, at the next 30, it's it's crunch time. This is the time that, I mean, at the end of the year, this is the time you want to fast forward and just go right to this this time of year. In September, you know, there's, it's a long year, and you got to go through all the, the trials and, and of the year. And now it's kind of crunch time, so it's the exciting part of the year. Um, 30 games to make sure our game's in order and. I think we can just look at it as a builder and, and continue to build. We don't want to be peaking now. We want to make sure that your game's hitting its stride come the playoffs. So we're in, uh, we're in a bit of a race. I mean, the, the division's tight. We're going to have to keep winning, and hopefully we can carry that right into the, the playoffs. This next stretch is uh, five of six against Metro teams, and one non-Metro game in there is against the best, uh, one of the better teams in the West. So you guys are you know, going right back into it. But tomorrow night's game is against Philly, the only team in your division that you haven't beaten yet. How much impetus is there to, to get a win against them? Yeah, they're they're a rival. They're uh, they're always a, a tough match. They come hard and. And work really hard and always give us a tough game. So we got to be ready for it. Um, you know what? You always want to beat a rival. You always want to beat a divisional opponent. And uh, I mean, they're big points. So this time of year, it's like I said a couple of times, it's crunch time. You need to collect points. You need to beat the teams you need to beat. And 
Um, you need to be kind of confident about your game. It's you don't want to have any any skids at this time of year. You got to stay consistent. You got to stay focused. You got to stay to the identity of the team. And I think we've really found that so far to date this year. We've found how our team needs to play. We know how our team needs to play. Um, and that's kind of what the beginning of the year is for, especially when you have new faces and stuff. But uh, there's, uh, you know what, it's not learning time anymore. It's it's go time, and we got to make sure that we're, we're focused and ready to go for the next 33 and into the important time of year. No points on yet. You have the six-point lead in the division. I feel like the consensus in this room is you have the six-point lead, but you guys haven't had your best consistent stretch of hockey just yet when we anticipate potentially seeing it yeah, hard I, when you're at your best. I mean, I think it was our December was was pretty good, right? We, I mean, we didn't start very well. Our record wasn't very good until, I mean, the kind of the last couple months. So we've started to put together some good little streaks. We started to put together um, some identity, and uh, you know, in December we're playing pretty good hockey. And you know what, the schedule's been a little bit uh, hard for the last for the last couple weeks. So yeah, I mean, it's it's. It's an important time of year, and, and in the next 33 games, there's not going to be just be a break in the middle of it. You know, like it's going to be consistent hockey. It's going to be games, busy, busy weeks, a lot of games, a lot of hockey, and um, th that's for a reason. It's it's the league's amping it up. Everyone's amping it up. The hockey gets very tight knit. Teams are trying to make the playoffs. Teams are trying to stay in the playoffs. It essentially becomes playoff hockey starting in a couple weeks. So. It's uh, it's going to be exciting, and it's definitely the the time of year. All the players, I mean, I think if you talk to most of the guys, ideally you'd play almost a 30 game year, and you get into the playoffs, and you get a chance. But it's not the way it works. 30 game year, says Tom Wilson. I told him off, Mike. I said, be careful what you wish for there. You know, a few years ago, went 48 games, and that was your season. And he chuckled at that, going to earn the paycheck. But the 82-game itinerary, and we're 49 games in, 33 remaining. And as Tom Wilson acknowledged, it is crunch time now, 33 games over the final 67 days of the regular season. And it all starts tonight against the Philadelphia Flyers. Final few moments here on this game day edition of Camp Stock. We welcome into the broadcast booth. You just couldn't get enough of us, apparently. John Walton is here, and John among the storylines tonight for the game. And the second half of the season, the stretch run, Looking for a number of key cogs to get going offensively. I referenced it earlier in the show to Rob Carlin. I think it's a good thing you're a first-place team, and I think you can look down the list. Andre Burakovsky, TJ Oshie, Jacob Verona, Evgeny Kuznetsov. There are guys on this team who have not played their best this season, and perhaps they could start to turn it around, uh, well, not Verona, but the others starting tonight against Philly. Yeah, I mean, they need to. I mean, for this team to be able to hold off the Philadelphia Flyers, the Columbus Blue Jackets, the New Jersey Devils have taken a downturn, but that's not to say that they're going to stay there either, and they're certainly still in the thick of it. And really just about everybody is. If you go to seventh place, I mean, Carolina it gets a win coming out of the blocks last night. So uh, you need to get offensive production from the guys who are paid to produce offensively. And right at the top of the list, you know, Evgeny Kuznetsov is a guy that has gone quiet in terms of goals, but he's still getting points. T.J. Oshie's barely getting points, and to not really even have the goals either, it just hasn't been right for him since before Christmas. He's got to have a good stretch run. I think the hope would be that when you look at this team top to bottom, top six, maybe even top nine, Connolly's been terrific, Eller's been terrific, Ovechkin's been terrific. There are other guys that have been okay. Backstrom I would put in the okay category, but there are guys that have to produce. If the Caps are going to win this division, if they're going to have home ice, they have got to get production from guys who haven't. All the guys that you just said, uh, they've got to get that. I would hope 
that when you look at what this team has coming up with the divisional games, uh, Pittsburgh Friday, take away the game Sunday. But, yeah, it's Vegas. A big game. It's a big game. Yeah, just like we said during training camp. Circle that Super Bowl game against Vegas. <laughs> and then you've got back-to-back with Columbus. You've got to get the offense going. But at least you're doing it every other day or just about. You're going to be playing a lot of games in a little through the month of February and certainly into March. And this team, that's where they eat over the course of the Barry Trotz era. That's where they're, they're at their best. When they, you know, the Flyers are really good coming out of breaks, by the way. I think they're 4-1 and one. After they've had uh, days of, I don't know if it's four days or five days, they're really good at it. The Caps have not been. So nope. advantage Philadelphia in that tonight. But once they get moving in a rhythm, that's when they're at their best, and hopefully that will hold true again. And Jacob Verana not in the lineup tonight. He has his 16-game goalless drought. And Barry Trotz, we're going to hear uh, an encore presentation of your conversation with him coming up in a little bit. Uh, he didn't beat around the bush in this one. I, I forget the exact wording, but basically said he's been a non-factor, a non-impact of late for Verana. And therefore, he'll take a seat tonight and uh, watch from above as a healthy scratch. What I liked about the interview that if you missed it the first time around, you'll hear it again coming up here in just a few minutes. If you think that Barry doesn't beat around the bush, you're right. That is the... That isn't as bad as the one in Denver, though, when he got scratched the last time. When he was scratched in Denver, uh, Barry couldn't have been more to the point about how young players can't be passengers and need to be able to. And Jacob laps back into that. I don't think there's any question. And the coach says it, and the production certainly bears it out. December 14th was the last time he had a goal. We were in Boston. And say, that was the last time the Bruins lost in regulation the last until time last night. The, the same streak that Verona <laughs> scored, and then the Bruins never got yet. They took care of getting points after that, and Jake hasn't scored, unfortunately. I think that the strategy would be, and I think it's a sound one, sit tonight, wouldn't be at all surprised to see him back in there Friday against Pittsburgh. He's like, your roster spot on this team, your, your spot in the lineup is not guaranteed. Remember that. Go out and get the job done. And, I, and Jacob has too much talent. Uh, to have nothing in 16 games. Uh, you felt like it right before Christmas he was starting to turn the corner. You could see him going to the net. And there have been times in this 18-game window where it was, you know, he had some opportunities, but not enough. Other and, nights he was barely playing, which, you know, it's chicken and egg, but he played six minutes. The last time they played Philadelphia, if you played let, six minutes. The least amount of ice time that Jake has had all year was the last time the Flyers were in the building. And... If, if for whatever reason, if you don't like the matchup, maybe it's a good night to sit him. Maybe that's one of the reasons why it's a good night to sit him. But in any case, it, it would not surprise me if it was a short uh, absence from the lineup. And when he gets the opportunity to get back in there, be hungry and do what you need to do and don't be a passenger. That was what Barry said in Denver. Uh, he didn't say those exact words coming up, but it, it was pretty close. Uh, and I think that's something that he's got to bear in mind moving forward. All right, and tonight against Philadelphia, this is a team that has played the Capitals tough. The two times they've played this year, I think you give a little bit of a mulligan for the first meeting back in October. It was the Capitals' first game, Sands, Matt, and Iskanen. But when they met uh, a couple of Sundays ago here, the 2-1 overtime win for Philadelphia, uh, they were able to slow the Capitals down. There wasn't a whole lot of pace to that game. They, they clogged up the neutral zone a bunch. Capitals' scoring opportunities were very limited until late in the third period. Uh, it was a good road game for Philly, but uh, they gave the Capitals all they could handle. Anyone who is outside in D.C. today knows that we are a long way from April. But this is the last time that Philadelphia will be in this building this season. You may very well – there may be a postseason series here. And if there is – there has not really been anything that's gone Washington's way yet in the first two games. Yes, the A2 game, it was not as bad as that, 
but it was as bad as that. And, you know, missing Niskan, and it was a back-to-back. It was Philly's home opener. Uh, there was a lot working against you. But there wasn't anything working against you 10 days ago, and it wasn't enough offensively. I would love to see that tonight, uh, at least to know that you can say, okay, a lot of things went right, win or lose, uh, that you can play with them. So far, the Caps haven't played with the Flyers. They need to. Uh, this is a team come April you may see in round one. It's entirely possible. Uh, and what this team has been since uh, the beginning of December, I wasn't sure Dave Haxtell was still going to be coaching this yep. team at Christmas. And they have ripped it up since the beginning of December. They don't show any signs of slowing down. Jake Voracek has been a beast. Uh, Wayne Simmons is what Wayne Sean Simmons Couturier always is. Career Sean Couturier is having a career year. I was just going through the notes. Wayne Simmons has led this team in goals four straight years. That streak's coming to an end, but for all the right reasons, if you're a Flyers fan, because of what Sean Couturier has done. So uh, show that you can, uh, with the cast of characters you have, break or no break, uh, establish yourself this. You only get one more crack at them at, a, uh, at any point on March 18th in Philly. That's it after tonight. And to that point, potential playoff preview without looking too far ahead. The Carolina Hurricanes, should they qualify and get in as a wild card team? Yes, I point, Whalers! I point, yes. point to the fly. They might bring out the Whaler uniforms. If they do, story? do that against Washington. Please yeah. bring the Whaler uniform back. I'd like yes. that. By the way, really, Dave, we're getting off track here, but I love the fact that people in Montreal, hockey connoisseurs in Montreal, are all in favor of the Hurricanes wearing the Whalers uniforms. But should the Nationals ever wear Expos gear? Oh, no, they can't do that. That's our history. Yeah, it's, it's very, uh, very. Yeah, it's uh, funny what side yeah. of the coin you happen yeah. to be on and yeah. whether you agree with it or not. It's interesting I think how that works. Carolina's, I, I, we said it in training camp. We said it when we saw them early in the year. They are one of the fastest teams on the back end, probably the fastest team on the back end in this division. And, and, they, and they play the Caps tough. That's what I was getting at. They haven't beaten Philadelphia, and they've played Carolina three times. Think about it. It was the OV overtime winner when they had the rally late. It was Jay Beagle's buzzer beater when they had the rally late. Yeah. And then the other game, Carolina won. Yeah. Uh, it was here. Yeah. But point being, Carolina and Philadelphia, two teams that you could potentially see in a first-round playoff matchup, they both played the Capitals very they well. They both play the Caps tough. And Carolina, I listen, I, I think Carolina would be a handful if they get in for anybody. I think the Flyers are a handful for anybody. Uh, I think there might I, – I don't know what's wrong with Brian Elliott, but uh, as long as it is anything long-term. I mean, Michael Neuvert is – his where he eats in his career has been in the postseason. It hasn't been the regular season, but it has been the postseason for sure. And uh, he did a pretty good job against the Caps a couple of years ago, and nearly got them back in that, and for almost forced a game seven. So, uh, whatever it ends up being in goal for Philly, I think that might be a little bit of a question mark, and not as strong as what Washington has, not as strong as what Pittsburgh has. But they're right there. If they get goaltending, uh, Philadelphia is right now. This is wide open. This is a wide open Metropolitan Division race. Just because the Capitals are in first place doesn't mean that they're staying there, first of all, with a stretch of four and five. They're going to have to earn it if they're going to win this division down the stretch. But anybody that you see, anybody can jump up and make some noise in the postseason. I, one to five, one to six, maybe even one to seven in this division right now. Eight points separating the first place Capitals from seventh place. This is your final game before you head overseas to South yeah. Korea. I think we're going to cover that a little bit. May 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 hear some few things during the broadcast tonight, but your final one before you come back for a month. That was a little ominous the way you just put that, but a tease. uh tease. Ah, tease. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh it is the last game for a while and that is crazy for me. I have missed one game. I've never missed a game due to illness. I've only missed one game in my entire career. Uh, my son, who happens to be here tonight, uh, his senior night. What did he do? Uh, si 
at soccer night. What's that? What did he do? What, you missed the game. Uh, the senior night. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So his, his, his last game of high school and senior night uh, in Cincinnati. So Dave Johnson filled in that night. Dave Johnson will fill in again for the Red Wings game. Zach Fish will be here from Hershey for the Tampa Bay game. Grady Wittenberg will be settling in here for eight of the next nine starting uh, in Pittsburgh on Friday night. Throwing him right to the fire. He gets the Penguins. He gets Vegas. And he gets back-to-back with Columbus and one of his best friends in the American League, Bob McElligot. Uh, he's I that's going to be a reunion. The cannon. He better Hopefully be ready for the cannon. Times. Be ready. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there have been nights where you get ready, you get the cannon first, and maybe you don't hear it a whole lot. But the way the caps have been gone there, they're usually five to four, and there's cannon fire everywhere. So I right. uh, can't uh, can't wait for Korea. Going to miss everybody here. I'll be thrilled to get back on the 24th and uh, be back for the stretch run, so to speak. Spotting the cow won't be the same without you. I'm pretty sure you're going to handle that with my absence just fine. I can't wait to introduce Grady to the ordinary. Grady's going to think you got a screw loose, but he's going to think that anyway. (laughs) All right. Going to hear from you again momentarily. Barry Trotz, Encore presentation. Also, Rob Carlin, Alan May, Tarek El-Bashir, an Encore presentation of this afternoon's edition of Caps Talk is up next, taking you right up to the official start of Caps pregame at 745 on 106.7 The Fan and 1500 AM in D.C. On the production side today, we say thank you to Patrick Griffin. And it's Ben Raby here thanking you for joining us on this game day edition of Caps Talk, Caps Radio 24-7 and the Caps mobile app. Listening to Caps Talk on Caps Radio 24-7. Tune in every Monday through Friday at 4 Eastern to hear the players, coaches, media, and fans talk Caps, hockey, and always taking your phone calls at 1-855-GO-CAPS-5 on your all-capitals, all-the-time station, Caps Radio 24-7.